We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 tonight. I'm getting over being sick this week, so y'all forgive me as I snort and sniffle. Um, there were a few weeks ago, Brother Tony, that I told you that I felt like I needed to do something during invitation, but I felt like it was really awkward. It was a big deal to me, but it wasn't a big deal to anybody else. And I was just too nervous to, and you're like, man, just do it. If God's telling you to do it, just do it. Um, and so there's been something on my heart this week, but it's really just kind of a big deal to me, and I don't know if it's a big deal to anybody else. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to talk about it. I was going through trying to figure out what I was going to preach, because God hadn't put anything, uh, like a certain passage or anything on my heart lately. And so I was going through some old sermons, and um, I found two that were kind of sticking out. And um, I think God's given me a way to put those two things together. I've been struggling this week, and not just because I'm sick. I've been struggling this week because there were... Uh, Whenever celebrities die, I take it personally. I'm the type of person that gets way too invested in stuff like that, and so it bothers me in a weird way. Bob Barker passed away this week. Um, I think a comp- famous comic book illustrator passed away. But there were two wrestlers that passed away this week, and one of them really, really bothers me. Um, I grew up loving wrestling. I used to watch it all the time. And recently, uh, thanks to Oak Grove and the Lingo Center, my love for wrestling has been reignited, that passion. And there's this guy that passed away this week. His wrestling persona's name was Bray Wyatt. His real name was Windham Rotunda. What a name, I know. But what bothers me about it, he's not my favorite wrestler by any means. I don't just love his gimmick or anything, but he was 36. And I just turned 30 this year. And so this is kind of the first time where I'm having that experience where, hey, I'm, that's not too much older than I am. That person was my age. And yet he had he got COVID, and that exacerbated some um, heart issues that he had already had, and so he had a heart attack, and he died on Thursday. It's just been really, really been bothering me. I've always been that way, though. Anytime a celebrity passes away, especially ones that I like. Last year, Angela Lansbury passed away, and it really bothered me. I love Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> the year before that, Betty White died. Now, she was almost 100, uh, so I, I, that one was a little more understandable, but it still it bothered me. Uh, Stan Lee passed away in 2018, and that the father of Marvel Comics that just that really bothered me. But the one that's bothered me the most uh, was when Robin Williams passed away, and I think 2014. I'm not sure exactly because um, Robin Williams, it to me is like the person that like whenever you think of a beacon of light and of joy and bringing people people laughter, just spreading positivity with humor. You think Robin Williams, and I remember a story about Robin Williams. I promise this is going somewhere, but I remember a story about Robin Williams. He was best friends with Christopher Reeve, Superman, one of the first guys that made Superman popular. They met at Juilliard School of Acting, and they were best friends, but they don't look like they would be best friends because Christopher Reeves, I mean, to play Superman, you got to be big and buff and chiseled jaw and all that. And Robin Williams is just this short, hairy, stocky ball of energy. But they were best friends. And so when Christopher Reeves had his accident that left him paralyzed, he was in the hospital. And in his autobiography, he talks about being understandably um, just devastated and just laying there contemplating suicide. And then all of a sudden, one day, through his hospital room door, this doctor burst in with uh, scrubs, and he's all gloved up, and he's got the mask, and he's using a Russian accent saying he's this proctologist, and they're fixing to perform surgery, and it was Ron Williams. And Chris Reeves says that's the first time since his accident that he laughed and that he smiled and that he knew he was going to be okay. And in his autobiography, he writes that Robin Williams saved his life that day. Um, so for somebody like that who... 
It just seems like they were put on earth to make people happy and smile and to make people feel loved. For someone like that to then turn around and commit suicide because of things that they were dealing with in their own life really bothered me. Robin made Christopher Reeves feel loved that day when, in a time where he didn't feel like he was loved. He didn't feel like anything was possible. He felt like he was just going to die. And so I want to spend just a little bit of time tonight talking about love. And I want us to look in Luke 19, and I want us to look at a passage where Jesus saw past the people in the crowd and looked up in that tree and saw another wee little man um, by the name of Zacchaeus and how Jesus made him feel loved. Made a guy that didn't deserve to be loved feel loved that day. And then I want to briefly look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and just spend some time talking about love tonight. So Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. A man was there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He tried to see who Jesus was, but was not able from the crowd because he was little in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the vicinity, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must remain at your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He was gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, uh, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will repay him four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So this isn't going to be some revelation from God. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. We all know the song about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Um, Jesus was going to Jerusalem, going through Jericho, and there was a guy there in Jericho by the name of Zacchaeus. And we all know that tax, he was a tax collector, and we all know that tax collectors were scum. They were jerks. They were dirtbags. They would uh, charge people way more than they needed to pay for taxes so they could line their own pockets. And this passage says that he was a chief tax collector. He was the head honcho. Zacchaeus was a guy that had, on paper had everything. He had money. He didn't have to want for anything. And yet, the people hated him. He had all that money and nobody to spend it with. I imagine that Zacchaeus was like some of us when we see somebody that we don't want to talk to in the grocery store. I think some of us stay down an aisle so that we don't have to talk to him. I think that's what people did with Zacchaeus. I mean, people were actively hating him and trying to not spend time with him. Uh, none of us like to pay taxes, but it, I just feel like it was a little bit worse in the uh, case of Zacchaeus. He was... Someone that was not well-loved and not well-liked. And Jesus' reputation had spread to the point to where everybody knew that Jesus was coming. And so crowds were forming in the street. And this passage says uh, he was he tried to see who Jesus was, but was not able from the crowd because he was little in stature. I just wonder what it is about Jesus that made a guy like Zacchaeus want to see him. I feel like a lot of people in this passage, we read a lot about people coming up to Jesus whenever he was coming and on his preaching tour. And they were asking Jesus for things. They were asking for healing. They were asking for their sight to be restored. They were asking Jesus to resurrect people from the dead or to cast out demons. And so a lot of people in the crowd, I'm sure they were genuinely wanting to know Jesus because... They knew that he was the Messiah, but I feel like most people were just looking to see what they could get from Jesus. He was a walking, talking, easy button in the lives of a lot of people in that day. But Zacchaeus wasn't somebody that needed anything. 
And Zacchaeus wasn't even trying to talk to Jesus. He wasn't trying to have a conversation or an interview. He just wanted to see Jesus. So what about Jesus was so special to Zacchaeus that he felt like he had to see him? And I think that the only thing that makes sense to me is conviction. It's not that Jesus could do anything for Zacchaeus. He just had to know. He was compelled. So much so to the point to where since he was too small to see past the crowd that day, he ran ahead and climbed up in a tree. I'm not going to run and climb in a tree for anything. Nothing is that special to me. That I, Especially not something that I'm just going to see. I mean, maybe an experience or if a bear's uh, chasing me or something. But like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go out of my way just to see something so that it's a cool story one day. None of us would go through such lengths. You may be thinking, climbing a tree is not that much of a stretch. It's not that great of a link to go through. Well, in my life it is, okay? So, and in Zacchaeus' life it was. There was something about Jesus that Zacchaeus just, he felt compelled to see. And the only thing that makes sense to me is Zacchaeus, even though he hadn't met Jesus, even though he probably only heard of Jesus by reputation and hearsay, he was already feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit that day before Jesus ever arrived in Jericho. And so Zacchaeus does, he goes and he climbs up in the tree just to see Jesus. And again, there's a massive crowd around where Jesus is coming through. And so Jesus finally gets to the vicinity and he looks past the crowd. And again, I have to wonder, and I know that the answer is Jesus, okay? So don't, let's not play that game. Speculate with me for a second. Or as Brother Tony would say, think about this. Um, I hear that so often when I'm editing the sermons, <laughs> every time he says that. Um, what made Jesus look past the crowd? Because if it was about like just putting your display on power, if it was about making an example or showing that you are the Son of God, there were people there that were probably asking him to do miraculous things. There were people there that were probably looking to follow Jesus, and so if it was growing his church, I mean, those things were readily available with the people that were already in the crowd. So what about... Zacchaeus made him special enough for Jesus to look past everybody to see him up in the tree. The answer is he's Jesus, obviously, but the answer is because Zacchaeus was lost and was in need of a Savior. And Zacchaeus was unlovable to the people of that time. And so Jesus looks past the crowd and he sees Zacchaeus in the tree and he chooses Zacchaeus. Above, ignores everybody else there and he chooses Zacchaeus and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today I must remain at your house. Zacchaeus, I see you and I choose you to be chosen by God. It, the passage says, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And uh, Brother Tony talks about the TCV, the Tony Campanelli version. The Trey Campbell version, the way I see this cinematically in my head, is Zacchaeus is so excited and overjoyed that Jesus chose him that he just falls out of the tree. <laughs> and jumps up and runs to go see Jesus. He receives him joyfully. I don't know how big of a place Jericho was. But based on verse 7, it sounds like it was typical small-town Oak Grove Hamburg style where everybody has an, knows everybody's business and has an opinion about it that they want to share. Um, in the ESV, it says, when they saw it, they grumbled. But in this passage, it says, they murmured, saying, he was gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. The crowd was 
apparently offended that they were ignored and overlooked by Jesus. And so they start running their mouths about our Savior, saying, well, he's going to choose to spend time with a tax collector, a sinner. And it obviously must have been loud enough for Zacchaeus to hear because Zacchaeus in verse 8 says, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will repay him four times as much. Again, Zacchaeus hasn't officially properly been introduced to Jesus yet, but he's still feeling so much conviction about being around Jesus and being chosen by Jesus that of his own volition, he starts trying to make amends for all the sins that he's committed and tries to make right all of his wrongs. He says, Jesus, I want to be worthy of this love, and so I'll, I'll give up everything that I've done. All the tax fraud that I've committed and everything, Jesus, if I've taken from somebody maliciously, I'm going to give them back four times as much. I just want to be worthy of the love that you're showing me. And again, TCV, um, verse 9, it says that he's talking to Jesus, it says that Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus, but have you ever talked to somebody loud enough to where somebody else can hear? I think that's what Jesus is doing. Because he says, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus, I forgive you. I love you and I choose you and I forgive you. You are a son of Abraham just like everybody else is. He says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. His financial status doesn't make you worthy of God's love. There are no height requirements when it comes to God's love. There is no um, racial or ethnic required uh, requirements when it comes to God's love. Jesus came to seek and to save the person that day that needed to be experience love probably more than anybody else there. He chose Zacchaeus. He saw him and he chose to love him. And I feel like we read a story like this and we're like, man, that's awesome. But I don't feel like we're doing the same. I don't feel like we're taking this and we're learning from it because I feel like you and I, we only focus on the crowd. We love, we choose to love the people that are right in front of us. We choose to love our family and we choose to love our friends and hopefully our church family. But that's about it when it comes to sharing, showing people love. And the Bible says over and over again how easy it is to choose to love the people that love you and to choose to love the people that are similar to you. But when it comes to the tax collectors and the sinners and the scum and the people that society and especially the church has already written off, we're not showing love to those people. I feel like a lot of us, we are just part of the crowd that is keeping them from God. We're definitely not looking above the crowd to see where they're trying to climb up in the tree to see Jesus. But for most of us, I feel like we are the barrier that is keeping them from Jesus. And so they're having to go to extreme lengths just to get a glimpse of who the Savior is. Meanwhile, you and I have the gospel in our back pockets and we could very easily share it, but we just don't. And we all have a checklist of things that we do. And so we feel like we're serving God because we come to church and we do our tithe, do this, and we do that. Maybe some of us go above and beyond. We come to Sunday school or we teach a Sunday school class or we're like the Campanelli's and we have a World Vision kid on our, on our refrigerator that we sponsor. But that's as far as our love goes. 
I, I want to finish up tonight by reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to sh- tell you what God's Word says about love. It says, starting in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. If I give all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. If I give all my money to the poor, that's great. That's awesome. It's wonderful. If I give all my money so that I can feed the poor, I'm sorry. If I have the faith that can move mountains, that's amazing. What a testimony. If I can prophesy and I speak uh, uh, with languages in all men, those are awesome things for the for the sake of the gospel. But if we're not loving while we're doing it, then it doesn't matter. And so if you're teaching Sunday school, but you don't have love in your heart, great. So what? If we're doing all these things, if we're coming to church and we're filling the pews and we're checking off our boxes, but we're not loving people while we're doing it, then what's the point? But the opposite of that is also true. If <laughs> I think it is amazing what Robin Williams did that day in the hospital room for Christopher Reeves, but he didn't know Jesus, so it doesn't matter. That's what breaks my heart about celebrities. That's why it bothers me so badly. Because there's, I know 99% of the time that none of these people that are passing away that are affecting our culture today, that are leaders and that are influencers, they're all dying and going to hell. Because I'm the type of person that will look. I will start going on a deep dive on social media or on Wikipedia or whatever credible source that I need to say. And I'll look to see, well, maybe they accepted Jesus. Maybe they credited God in an interview somewhere. And time and time again, they haven't. On paper, Robin Williams had it all. He was like Zacchaeus. He he wanted for nothing. I mean, he was had all that this world had to offer. And yet he died and went to hell. And so it means nothing. You and I, we know who Jesus is. We know that God is our Savior and we've accepted Him. But if we're not loving people, then that means nothing. Breaks my heart. we got to love better. We have to love better. If we're going to claim to be children of God and we're going to claim to be Christ-like, then we need to love like Jesus did. We need to look above the crowd, above the people that are in our sphere. Listen, Hagen is saved. I don't have to worry about Hagen's eternal salvation. I, I love her and I'm going to keep loving her, but I don't have to worry about if she's going to die and go to heaven or not. But there are people outside of my family and outside of my friends that I don't know. So those are the people that I need to focus on loving because they need love. I think it's awesome that we did the back to school barbecue today. I think it's awesome that we showed our community that, hey, we love you and we know that your kids are going to school. So we just want to let you cool off in this heat of the summer. We want to show love to you. We want to welcome you here. And that's awesome. And I pray that that is just the first step of many more things to come where we show people the need to be loved, that they are welcome and loved here. And this is just, again, this is where this is important to me. I don't know if it's going to be important to anybody else. But I want to encourage you to pray for the people that you think are unreachable. I'm sure everybody at that time felt like Zacchaeus was unreachable. And so I'm sure that there were some people, once they finished grumbling and they heard that Zacchaeus had really made a change and had a come to Jesus moment, I'm sure that there were people that were dumbfounded and believed in Jesus right then and there because he affected somebody like Zacchaeus. God can penetrate any heart. 
The Spirit of God can convict anybody. And I just pray that we're praying for the people that need it. Like our celebrities, like our uh, athletes, like our politicians, like those that are making decisions in office, people that are passing laws. I pray that we're praying for people like that because they're dying and going to hell too and they need to be loved. And I may never meet some of these people that I pray for, but I'm praying that God will change their heart anyways because I know that God can and I know that God will. And we've seen what the power of prayer can do in our church. We've seen what God can do. And to say that somebody is unreachable, so I'm not going to bother, it's limiting the power of God. And I don't want to be the person that does that. I pray that we start trying to show love to our community and beyond that because there are people here that are desperately trying to see Jesus, but they can't see him past the crowd. And so it's up to us to put them on our shoulders so that we can push them closer to Jesus.